0: 1 Corinthians chapter 8. If you need a Bible, Bibles have been coming around, and uh, hopefully you will grab a Bible as we are going to dig out 1 Corinthians chapter 8 together. We are in the middle of a series called Be Wise. In our generation, in our day and age, we need wisdom. In order to make daily decisions and daily choices that honor the Lord, we need nothing else other than the wisdom of God to help us through this life. So Paul mentions the word wisdom or wise 30 times in this letter to the church at Corinth. And so we are going to dive in to see another Be Wise principle. Our theme verse comes out of Proverbs 4-7. Let's say this all aloud together. One, two, three. Wisdom is supreme, therefore get wisdom. Though it cost all you have, get understanding. Our theme verse is out of Proverbs 4-7 because Solomon, who wrote this verse, literally says we need to seek it, we need to pursue it. It's not something that is just going to fall upon us, come naturally to us. We need to seek the Lord, we need to ask for wisdom. That's what the writer in James says, seek and ask the Lord for wisdom and he will give to all generously without finding fault. And so in our pursuit after wisdom, we're see we going to see another be wise principle, how Paul um, addresses the Corinthian church. Um, week, week one and a couple weeks after this was a couple weeks we spent on this be wise principle. Be wise in your calling. Last week we studied be wise in your relationships. We talked about dating relationships. We talked about sex. We, st- we talked about sexuality. All right. So y- if you missed last week, you might be wondering, I got to watch this back. What in the world went on at that sermon? So this was be wise in your relationships. Paul talked about that in chapter five. And then thirdly, we are going to look at be wise with your freedom what does that mean be wise with your freedom so to find out what paul means let's read 1 corinthians chapter 8 together we're going to read the whole chapter it's only 13 verses so we're going to read chapter 8 together and this is paul writing to the church at corinth now concerning things offered to idols we know that we have that we all have knowledge knowledge puffs up but love edifies And if anyone thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing, yet as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, this one is known by him. Therefore, concerning the eating of things offered to idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world and that there is no other God but one. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father, of whom are all things, and we for Him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom are all things, and through whom we live. Verse 7, However, however, there is not in everyone that knowledge, for some with consciousness Of the idol until now, eat it as a thing offered to an idol, and their conscience, being weak, is defiled. But food does not commend us to God, for neither if we eat are we the better, nor if we do not eat are we the worse. Verse 9, but beware, important verse here, but beware lest somehow this liberty of yours becomes a stumbling block to those who are weak. For if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating in an idol's temple, will not the conscience of him who is weak be emboldened to eat those things offered to idols? And because of your knowledge, shall the weak brother perish for whom Christ died? But when you thus sin against the brethren and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never again eat meat lest I make my brother stumble. Let's pause there. Let's pray and then we'll dive in. Lord, we come before you tonight and we ask that you will give us wisdom in this matter. Give us wisdom as we seek being wise within our freedom. There is freedom in Christ, but we want to pursue wisdom within that freedom, Lord. So we love you and we ask that you will be with us now as we dive into our Bible study. It's in Jesus' name we pray and everybody said, Amen. So, chapter 8, 1 Corinthians, what is Paul talking about? Well, this chapter expresses something very important to us. This chapter asks a primary question what kind of freedom does the Christian have? What kind of freedom does the Christian have? If you look at chapter 8, verse 9, chapter 8, verse 9, but beware lest somehow this liberty, New King James Version says liberty, your Bible might say freedom. But beware lest somehow this liberty or freedom of yours becomes a stumbling block to those who are weak. What kind of freedom does the Christian have? So this is what Paul is first addressing to the Corinthian church. The Corinthian church, we have to remember, primarily Gentiles. So Gentile is anything other than Jewish. So they're primarily Gentiles. And they are bringing with them the idolatry, the paganism, the baggage of the Roman culture. Okay, so to... To set a little um, context here, um, they're, they're, it's, this is first century Rome, so we have to, um, if you will, put our feet within the shoes of a first century Roman, and this is what Romans were doing. they were um, serving false gods, they were you know to them they were real gods that they worshiped. We know that they are false gods, these are idols, and then people within that society, within that culture, as Paul is. A missionary to the church to the area of Corinth, people are getting saved. Now they're coming out of idolatry and they are following Jesus Christ, and so now they're getting saved. And now they have questions. Well, as as a Christian, what is okay for me to do? You know, is is Christianity just a set of rules? Is it is it a set of regulations? I mean, what is Christianity? And so uh, this is an important topic for for all of us, uh, particularly for those of us who uh, may have grown or were raised in a uh, fundamental uh, church or, or um, a home raised in that kind of an upbringing. Um, and so, you know, even if you're, you, you didn't grow up in a church that was uh, really, you know, fundamentalist church or, or a home, but you, you didn't even grow up in church, that's fine. This is, this is important for us today. But uh, nonetheless, um, it's an important topic for those of us who might have grown in a, a home or a church that, We were raised a little bit um, within a legalistic setting or a legalistic culture. Um, So this might be, you know, you might have some important answers, uh, questions answered Um, because the Christian life is not a bunch of rules and regulations. Okay, everybody needs to understand this. Everybody needs to hear me on this. The Christian life is not a bunch of rules and regulations. However, with that being said, Paul is clear when he says in verses such as Galatians 5.13, You were called to be free. We are free in Christ. You were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Peter will echo something similar in 1 Peter 2.16. Live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God. So there is this balance. We are free in Christ. The Christian life is not a bunch of rules and regulations in which we are slaves to. However, Paul cautions us, let us not use our freedom to indulge the sinful nature. So we need a healthy understanding of freedom. What does it mean to be free in Christ? We need to have a healthy understanding of freedom because we don't just want to go around doing whatever we want, you know, whatever we please. That would be indulging in the sinful nature. At the same time, we don't want to view God and Christianity and have this perception that the Christian life is just a bunch of rules and regulations. Because when we approach God in that manner, we no longer see him as a loving Heavenly Father, but we see him as some dictator who is controlling our every move and who we must obey or else we won't be accepted, we won't be loved. And some of us have grown up in the church with that mindset. So there is this balance. We have freedom in Christ. Let us not indulge in the sinful nature with that freedom. However, we need to have a balanced view that if we approach God with just this mindset of He is God who if I obey, uh, He won't love me anymore. If I disobey Him, he, He won't love me. If I do certain things that go against His law or His will, He'll exclude me from His family. We need to have a healthy, balanced view of this. So let's dive in. Let's look at chapter uh, 8, verse 1, verse 1. So what's Paul addressing here with the Corinthian church? Now about food offered to idols. Now concerning things offered to idols. So here's the the question Paul answers the church at Corinth. So the Corinthian church is asking a number of different questions. Okay, Like I mentioned in chapter 5, they had questions about sex and marriage and divorce in chapters 5 and 6 and 7. And here in chapter 8, now they have a question concerning idols, concerning meat, specifically food, offered to idols. And so Paul is kind of, as we make our way through this this letter to the Corinthian church, he's addressing some of the questions that they had written him about. This is one of their questions. Now concerning things offered to idols. So as I mentioned, this is first century Rome, very polytheistic society. They worshipped many gods. Then people were getting saved, coming into a relationship with the one true God, and now they were asking questions to Paul and saying okay so we're saved now but the roman practice in that day and age was they would slaughter an animal that day okay little to no refrigeration so they you know they would slaughter an animal cut up the meat they would serve it in the the marketplace that day and so you would go to the marketplace you would buy your meat you'd go home you make some pot roast and so these Christians now are saying, okay, so we're, we're saved in Jesus Christ now. We know that those gods, small g, that we were worshiping are no gods at all, but the meat, the food, it, it was offered to idols. So what the Romans would do before selling the meat, they would take the meat after sacrificing the animal and they would offer it up and dedicate the meat to their false gods. Christians are now at Corinth saying, what do we, Paul, what do we do? Is it, is it okay to eat this meat? It was offered to idols You know, is it okay to still buy this meat in the marketplace? And so Paul's kind of addressing uh, this issue with them. So Paul starts off concerning the things offered to idols. We know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. Okay, so this might seem like a ridiculous thing. Okay, This is a cultural question to Paul. So, you know, you're not going to go to Safeway or Harris Teeter or Food Lion, wherever you shop. And, you know, that's not going to be going through your mind. Was this food dedicated to idols? I don't know if I should indulge in this food. OK, so we don't really have those questions. But nonetheless, the overarching principles we're going to learn are applicable to some issues that we go through. But Paul says, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. So what Paul is going to build upon here is he says, listen. Listen, we all, we all have knowledge. Listen, we, we all know that these are false gods. Okay, so therefore, if meat is offered up to these false gods, to these idols, we know that the meat's not spoiled or tainted in any way. Okay, they're not even real. The gods that, they, that the meat was being offered to, they're, they're not real. Okay, so the meat's fine. The meat's fine. But knowledge, if you go around just having this puffed, up, you know, this puffed up idea, well, okay, then great. Then that means I can eat whatever I want do whatever I want. Paul says, listen, you can't have that mindset. Knowledge puffs up. It makes you proud. But love is critical here. Love edifies. Or your translation might say love builds up. So it's not all about knowledge. Though, yes, we know this meat, it's fine to eat. okay. But some other people, they don't, they don't necessarily know this. So we have to consider other people. Knowledge puffs up, it makes us proud, but we have to consider other people. Love is the driving force, which means, Paul is going to emphasize, our faith is not exclusive to ourselves. This is something important we need to understand. Our faith is not exclusively about us. You know, forget for a moment, you know, but we don't struggle through those meat questions. Okay, Forget that for a moment. The overarching principle is timeless, that your faith and my faith must take other people into consideration on all levels. We have to put others first. So Paul says, listen, you might have the knowledge that this meat is fine, that's okay, but you have to consider what about the people who possibly might see me eat this and be offended by this? Love is the driving factor here. So look at verse 4. Look at verse 4. Therefore concerning the eating of things offered to idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world, that there is no other God but one. Okay, then verse 7. However, there is not in everyone that knowledge. So Paul says to you, listen, not everybody has this same conviction. Not everybody knows that this meat is fine to eat. Okay, we have to consider other people. And then in verse 9, this is, this is key here, and I want us to circle or highlight some words, verse 9, but beware lest somehow this liberty, circle that word, liberty or freedom in your Bibles, beware lest somehow this liberty of yours becomes a stumbling block. Circle that word, stumbling block. We're going to come, come back to this, but first, for you note-takers, I just want to summarize this idea about freedom here, because um, Paul's not going to necessarily address Things that you can do and things that you cannot do, okay? He doesn't necessarily present us that list, which I'm grateful for because when you kind of go into that territory, here's some things you can do, here's some things you can't do, okay, you're stepping into some legalism here, and so I'm glad Paul doesn't do that, uh, but there are some, kind of bringing this um, to application here, there are some hot topics within the church, okay? Within this church is, okay, is this meat okay to eat, you know, is offered to idols, In our day here in the church, it's music. Well, is it okay to listen to certain kinds of music in the church? Or what about movies? Is it okay to see certain movies? Is it okay to watch certain TV shows? Is it it okay as a Christian to watch certain things? Okay, there's some gray areas here. Is it okay to smoke? Is it okay to vape? As a believer, are these things okay to do? There's not really a Bible verse that really hits on these questions that i have is it okay what what about my attire what about what i wear is it okay to wear certain things i know some of you potentially grew up in churches where they even had a dress code if you weren't wearing the clothes if you weren't wearing the skirts to the to the ankles okay that was a big no-no and so what should i wear what should what are some things that are allowed and these are legit questions okay these are important questions these are important questions because it means that you're sincere in your faith, that you want to know what does God think about these things, okay? Because there is some liberty in those things, there is some freedom in those things, but there's not necessarily a p- specific Bible verse to that point. Well, is it, is it okay to is it okay to smoke? Right, where you know, where's 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 the verse for it? Now there's great verses that say you know our bodies are temples unto the Lord. Be careful about what you. Take into your body. There's great verses in that, but specifically about smoking, vaping. You know, where is that verse? Is it OK to listen to Drake? I mean, where, where, where's the verse? Is it OK to listen to Drake, to Drake, Roman? Yes, Drake. OK, there's not. All right. There's not going to be those kind of verses that specifically answer some of those questions. So you can kind of see where this is going with the Corinthian church. is kind of asking, OK, is it OK to kind of eat this meat? All right, this meat was offered up to idols, but I'm a Christian now, you know, should I eat this meat? So this is what Paul is addressing here. So what Paul doesn't do, which I'm grateful for, is he doesn't create a list of here's what you can do, church at Corinth. Here's what you cannot do, church at Corinth. Now, we're not talking about specifically uh, defined sinful things, okay? We're not talking about things in the Bible that specifically say are sin. We're talking about those gray areas here. What do I have liberty in? What, what do I have freedom in? Okay, we're talking about that. We're not talking about specifically defined sinful things. Paul is addressing these gray areas. So what he doesn't do, again, he doesn't present lists. Here's your can do, here's your cannot do. But here's what Paul does do. He he calls us to ask ourselves four particular questions. And then he takes those questions and essentially Paul says, now use these four questions in answering these questions. Use these questions as a litmus test in relation to, well, what is good? What is okay for me to do? What, how can I exercise or practice my freedom? So go back to chapter six. We're kind of going to jump around real briefly going to address some of these four questions here. Chapter 6, first question is this, is it less than beneficial? So Paul says, listen, I'm not going to necessarily point out a list of this is what you can do, this is what you can't do, but here in chapter 6, verse 12, he he says, but the question we need to ask ourselves in exercising our freedoms is, is it less than beneficial? Look at chapter 6, verse 12, first part of verse 12. All things are lawful for me, or your translation might say permissible. All things are lawful or permissible for me, but all things are not helpful. Your Bible might say beneficial. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not beneficial. The NIV says, everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Okay, so I have the liberty or the freedom to do certain things, okay, But is it less than beneficial? Is it necessarily good for me? Even though I might have the right to do something, is it going to be beneficial for me? And again, this is going to vary from person to person. Okay, what you might feel a certain liberty in might not be the same. Uh, liberty that I feel I have and vice versa. What I might feel I have freedom in might not be an area that you feel you have freedom in. There's going to be some, some differences from person to person within this area, but we need to ask ourselves a couple of questions. And this is a question. Is it, is this less than beneficial for me? This is a a question that I will ask myself specifically concerning uh, movies or TV, for example. So when I go to see a certain movie, when I you know turn on a, a TV show, what I constantly and continually have to be asking myself is "Is this beneficial to me? Is this beneficial for me um, So this is an example, and again, this is purely an example. this is my personal conviction. this does not have to be yours. okay this is something that um, the Lord has placed on my heart, my personal conviction again, there is some Liberty and freedom, it it will vary from person to person. This is personal example, uh, personal conviction um, uh, of mine, okay? So, uh, for example, the movie Lone Survivor came out uh, a couple of years ago. Um, True story um, about a team of Navy SEALs that go on a mission to uh, kill this uh, Taliban leader. Um, True story, yes. Um, Valiant heroes, yes. Yes. Some of the men died in in serving our country, yes, Um, but the movie also had 150 F-bombs. So in asking myself before potentially seeing that movie, is it less than beneficial for me, my personal conviction, again, my conviction was I don't necessarily want 150 F-bombs in my spirit. I don't don't really want 150 F-bombs in my mind, in my heart to potentially influence my own language. Okay. Again, my personal conviction, my personal um, conviction that, that the Lord placed on my heart, Uh, a conviction that um, my wife and I share together is we don't see rated R movies. My personal conviction. Um, We kind of just agreed and decided there's, you know, not much beneficial maybe in rated R movies. So, You know, we're not going to, and same, same thing for PG-13 movie. I'm not going to allow society to define what movie I see based on the ratings. PG-13 rated R. Okay. You're 13 and older, Austin. You can see this movie. Okay. I'm not going to allow the, you know, the societal standards, though they might help us determine what movies we could see. I'm going to allow God's word to determine what movies I, I feel are beneficial for me to see or not see. Okay. So that is our conviction. Again, doesn't have to be yours. There is freedom. There is liberty, but let us do due diligence in asking ourselves these questions before allowing our minds or our hearts or our eyes to see certain things. Is it less than beneficial? This was the first question that Paul um, told the Corinthian church. Now, in, um, in that movie, you know, can you really do a movie and stay true to the storyline and, and avoid that language? Uh, really not, okay? If you're going to do the movie justice, that, that language is probably going to be in there, okay? I'm I'm sure that those men on the battlefield aren't saying "drats," you know, when, when they weren't successful. Or "Fudge," you know, they probably weren't using that kind. Of, so I understand it. you got to be real to the movie. It's probably unavoidable to use some of that language, but my personal conviction was I just don't want that language in my spirit. So that was that's an example. But this is a question before watching really anything um, that we should be asking ourselves: Is it less than beneficial? The second question, Paul. Says, "Is could it master me? So in our litmus test, in exercising our freedoms, could my freedom potentially master me? Same verse, chapter 6, verse 12. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. I love this verse. NIV says, but I will not be mastered by anything. I will not be mastered by anything. In exercising my freedoms, I'm not going to be mastered by it. If it has the potential to master me, I'm not going to indulge in that freedom. If you answer yes to any of these questions, just being honest with you, you are not being wise in your freedom. If you answer yes, could it potentially master me? Yes. Is it less than beneficial? Yes. You know, if you're answering yes to these questions, you're not being wise in the exercise of your freedom in Christ. So could it potentially master you? Master you? Is it potentially addictive? Is it, could it potentially control you? It might be okay, but could, could I potentially become a slave to this thing? So, is it okay? Do, could I, do I have freedom in this area? Um, something might be okay, sure, but could it potentially master me? If so, um, it's a misuse of your freedom. Um, Say so A third question, could it stumble others? Go back to chapter 8, chapter 8 and verse 9. The verse we read, could it stumble others, is another question Paul tells us to ask when we exercise our freedom. Verse 9 of chapter 8, but beware lest somehow this freedom or liberty of yours becomes a stumbling block to those who are weak. So could it stumble others? Does my freedom have the the potential to stumble others? And this is a very challenging question because what this verse says is that our faith, as I mentioned, is not exclusively about us. We have to consider others. This is what Paul's talking about in verse one. He says, listen, knowledge puffs up, but love is the thing that builds up. Love is the thing that edifies. And so I might have a certain freedom. I might not know, you know, I might know in this culture, you know, Paul is talking to the Corinthian church, I might know that this meat is okay. So that means I can just eat it whenever I want. Paul says, listen, no, okay, if, if it offends somebody else, your brother who might be weaker than you, and they're offended by it you have to consider your brother. It could potentially stumble them because if it's a sin to them, if, this, if that's a conviction that they share, it might cause them to stumble. It might cause them to partake in that freedom. And because it's your freedom and it's not the other person's freedom because they share a different conviction, but then they see you partake and because you're careless and then they partake in that, that's, gonna, that's a violation against their conviction. Therefore, it's a sin. And this is what Paul says here in verse 12. Verse 12 of chapter 8. But when you thus sin against the brethren, against your brothers and your sisters, and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. So he says, listen, you might have a certain freedom, but if you don't consider other people and ask, listen, is this going to potentially offend you if maybe I do this or do that? And it does, and you still partake and you're careless about your brother or sister. That's sin. So it might be your freedom, but when it conflicts with an, an individual's conviction and you're sharing fellowship... Then that then Paul says, listen, that can't that can't be. This is this is sin. So we have to be wise about our freedoms. Could it stumble others? And recognize the better thing is that love builds up. So simply put, simply put, remember this. Let your love for one another be greater than your love for your liberties. I'm gonna say that again. Let your love for one another be greater than your love. For your liberties. Always consider other people. And Paul talks about this in Romans. Go home, read Romans chapter 14. He re- reiterates this, these same principles. So, another example on the topic of alcohol uh, you're over 21 um, and you feel the, the liberty or the freedom to drink. That's your freedom, that's your liberty, okay? Um, purely an example. You're out to dinner, um, maybe hanging out at home. You have friends over, whatever. Um, and Based off of what Paul is talking about here, you feel that freedom to drink. You feel, you feel the freedom to to drink alcohol. That's, that's your freedom. But the best thing to do is to ask those who you are with, maybe you have a little bit of liberty to maybe have a glass of wine at dinner, don't just assume that they don't care. Don't just assume that it won't offend them. Just ask. It's not a bad thing just to ask them. Listen, it, well, would this offend you if... If I had a glass of wine or had, had a beer or had some alcohol. If the answer, if they answer honestly, no, it's fine, then, then fine. But if their answer is, yes, it would make me a little uncomfortable or I might be offended by that, then let your love for your friend be greater than your love for your liberty. Just, okay, then don't have it. Let your love for your friend be greater than your love uh, for your liberty. So we have to understand this. It's crucial because people think that I'm, I'm free in Christ, therefore I can do whatever I want, even in the company of other people. We have to consider others before we consider ourselves. This is extremely important in the life of the believer. Be self, uh, be, be others oriented, be, be others centered in your walks with the Lord. Um, and then the fourth and final thing does it lack edification? Chapter 10. Verse 23, does it lack edification? This is another question Paul asks us to ask ourselves before exercising our freedom. Chapter 10, verse 23, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. He repeats this again. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. But not all things edify. So will this build someone up? Or will it potentially be a bad example, be it a, a bad witness to my friend? Let your love for others drive your decisions when exercising your freedoms. So always remember, listen, I want us to, you know, in talking about these questions and in talking about freedoms and liberties, I want us to always remember, listen, the Christian life, as I mentioned, is not a bunch of rules and regulations. And we have to get out of this mindset that the Christian life And when we approach God, it's all about what I do for you, God. It's all about the good things I do. It's all about my performance. It's all about how I perform for you, God, because that's not it. This is merely a response. When we want to do good for other people, when we want to live holy, when we want to love other people, when we want to love God and do good, it should always and only be out of response to what God has already done for us, to the love God has already shown us in Christ Jesus. Many of us have grown up in the mindset that God, how I perform for you, determines then how you will love me and accept me in response. That is not true. The Bible says, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. So God loved us before we were even born, before he even created us. God loved us in our sin. Therefore, he died for us because he wants fellowship and relationship with us. Therefore, everything that we do in life should always just be a response out of everything Christ has first done for us. So I want to be clear about that. But then in our freedoms, because we are free in Christ, there's not going to necessarily, in these gray areas, movies, alcohol, music, whatever it might be, there's not going to always be a Bible verse for it. But these are questions that Paul calls us to ask ourselves so that we can be mindful and considerate how we exercise that freedom. So make sure... That what you do in the exercise of your freedom is, number one, is this beneficial? Number two, does it potentially, will it potentially control me? Will it potentially master me? Will I potentially be obsessed by this? Number three, my freedom. Make sure that it's not going to stumble other people. I'm going to be considerate of others around me. And then number four, may it be edifying to others. May it build them up. May it not tear them down. May it not be a poor example to them. So Paul cautions us and just tells us, listen, I don't have a Bible verse for, for all these questions, but ask yourselves these four questions before exercising your freedom. You will be wise when you do so. So let's, in the same way, let's be wise in our freedoms. Let's ask ourselves these questions and let's be considerate of other people. Let your love for others be greater than your love for your liberties. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this letter to the Corinthian church. Lord, we want to be wise in our liberties. We want to be wise when exercising our freedoms. First, Lord, thank you that we are free in Christ, Lord. We are no longer slaves to sin. We are no longer in bondage, Lord. So we come before you now, and though we are free in Christ, we want to be wise. We want to be wise when we exercise those freedoms. So may you just continually remind us that love is the foundation by which We will exercise our freedoms, love for one another, help us to be considerate of other people, Lord. Help us just to be wise when we listen to certain things, when we watch certain things, when we just participate in certain things. Just pray that we would be wise when we approach these different areas of our lives. Um, So we thank you for the freedom that we have in Christ, and may you simply just continue to give us wisdom when we exercise this freedom. So we love you, Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters, pray that... Uh, you'd go before us in our work week, Lord, that we would just, our, our goal and our our ambition would just be to honor you, to glorify you, to serve you. And uh, therefore, out of response to all that you've done for us, may we love other people. May we serve other people. And we pray that we would honor you, Lord. And so uh, we love you, God. We thank you for um, this Be Wise principle. Pray that we, you would just help us to just continue to have wisdom throughout our, our work week, throughout are weak when we just interact with family and coworkers and neighbors. Uh, just help us to be wise, Lord. We love you. It's in Jesus name we pray. Everybody said, Amen. Amen.